Welcome to episode 154 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we're back with some more Static Shock this week. We have uh, The Parent Trap, which feels like it could maybe be the name of the other episode of this week, which is Flashback. Yeah. And oh, man, how are you feeling? I just finished the episode. I'm a little uh, shaky. Yeah, I, I watched them. I watched them last night. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> flashback. Very, very emotional. Very heartfelt episode. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's kind of surprising that they didn't have that be the season the finale. Three yeah. Finale. Yeah. Um, but because uh, they wanted something a little happier as the finale. They honestly, they they probably did. Maybe they learned their lesson after Jimmy. And they're like, oh, yeah. Maybe this is like a kind of an intense way to end our season on gun violence. So. They went a slightly different route. Um, very excited to get into those episodes. And then, of course, we'll have our, our usual notes from friends and bat plugs towards the end. But first, news. Yes. Not not a lot of news this week, really. Um, but uh, a topic very near and dear to our heart, which is Comic-Con. So I think this was the week where they officially confirmed, right? They're doing Comic-Con at home. Y- yeah, there, there's been a couple kind of trickling rumors throughout the month but yeah it, it, it is now confirmed comic-con is doing an at-home variation hmm. interesting how do you how do you feel about that as uh I, I think of the two of us the more die-hard comic-con person here i i, I do i do love comic-con i miss comic-con uh it's it's a smart idea especially now because obviously we can't have people meeting up and it's already so hard to get a ticket yeah. It'd be even worse if they had like a restricted capacity. Oh my god! Yeah, could you imagine? I mean, what would even be a reasonable amount? Like, I I don't think there is because what it's they sell someone in the ballpark of like a hundred and some odd thousand. It's tickets? it's a hundred and seventy five thousand tickets per day. Fucking so I, I I don't know how how you split that up between the four day passes and then the single day passes. Yeah, Jesus Christ. But that's just tickets. That's not including exhibitors, press, uh, celebrities, yeah. volunteers. Just people who show up in the town just to enjoy the madness of it all. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's 175000 in the building. Oh, my God. Minimum. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no, there's no reasonable reduction of that number that makes it totally acceptable. Like even they think like oh we'll do like a half of that that's still like fucking like a hundred thousand people basically yeah I mean and the space is big it's it is a three mile if you lay it out all together it's a three mile space yeah uh but yeah that it's 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 necessary that they do this at home variant yeah uh, but we we were talking about beforehand that this could potentially change how all cons are done in the future. Which makes sense. It's something that I've kind of been toting for a while now that E3 did is handling it well over the past mm-hmm. couple of years. So E3 being the electronics expo, mm-hmm. uh, entertainment electronics expo that happens in June. It actually would have just happened. Uh, and it's where all the video games do their big announcements. A couple of years ago, they decided that it's getting too popular. It's getting too demanding. We're not going to let any fans in anymore. And now oh. it's going to be a press only event. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. This was probably like 2014. They made this change. Okay. But with that, they also greatly loosened 
the terms of what it means to be press slash professional. Does that mean we could get press passes for you? Oh, three? absolutely. Oh, really? I yeah, I got I got one from work last year. I just didn't. I just couldn't go. Um, on this podcast that we barely ever talked about video games, I would love it if we did an E three <laughs> on site day. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, with that, the studios, the the big three, Nintendo, Sony, and and uh, Microsoft all decided independently that it's not worth their time to do big panels at the expo because, you know, they don't want to share the spotlight with anyone else. Yeah. And so and so now they're having their own event. So you have the big Nintendo press conference, Sony press conference, which just happened where they announced the PS5. Mm, yes. And then Microsoft, which I think they announced the new console, but no one. They're doing this like spaghetti Western standoff of price to see who's going to release their price first and the other one can be like we're $50 cheaper. Also, does uh, let's be honest, does anyone care about the new Microsoft console? No. Like, I have been an Xbox person for a decade. Like well, no, like well beyond a decade, like 15 years. And I'm like never getting an Xbox ever again. I, mm-hmm. I say this a lot. I hate my Xbox. It's a total piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been a Nintendo fanboy forever. Yes, we know. Yes, <laughs> and I've owned every Nintendo console since the SNES. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. Even like the even like the handheld ones too. You yep. own like every version I had, of the Game Boy. I had. I still have my my Game Boy Pocket is somewhere on my desk. Of course, the, the clunky gray one that took yes. four AA batteries. I had. You had your Game Boy Advanced. I had two Game Boy Colors. I had a Pokemon Game Boy Color that I sadly uh, broke. Oh, I had a Game Boy Advance. I had a Game Boy SP. I had a Game Boy DS, a Game Boy DX XL. Uh, and then, and I think from there it was just to the Switch. What? No. There was the Wii, the Wii U. Well, yeah, yeah, just going for handheld, though. Then we, the... then you had, you know, SNES, 64, GameCube, Wii, Wii U, Switch. I forgot that SNES was the abbreviation for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. We actually still have our original Nintendo stashed away somewhere. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't I don't think we have that many games for it, but I also don't think there were that many games for it. You but, you'd be surprised. Back in the eighties, they were churning out games. I'm sure most of them were just total shit though, weren't they? Yeah, I mean they they were all pretty basic. Uh but I mean like the, the the horror story of E. T. Oh was my god, game, yes. That game was built in six weeks. Six weeks? Six weeks. No wonder it's like so talk terrible. about a turnaround. That's nuts yeah and you have games today that take upwards of like five years to make a game my god like you you could make a tolerable game in a three-month span back in the 80s i I, i'm pretty sure we've had episodes of this podcast we've sat on for like more than six weeks before we released like random bonus episodes here and there (laughs) like my god (laughs) take your time people Mm -hmm. no need to rush Uh, but have you like has it in general has that switch for e3 been like well received about making it like a a, a non-fan event because i mean comic-con couldn't get away with that really but i can see why yeah could. well e3 also doesn't have like the vendors that that comic-con has e3 has always been kind of uh like company first yeah like i feel like cinemacon might be the more equivalent version for like film and television mm-hmm uh and i i think i think we need to just break up comic-con i think uh 
the entertainment section can definitely be its own thing. Mm -hmm. And you, you can have a professional version, which will just be, um, what is it called up in the pavilion? It's, it's not artist alley, but it's artist something. Oh, and it's, it's where kind of illustrators and animators can basically do on site. Yeah. Um, not auditions. What's the like, word? You, you, like, interviews. Um, <laughs> interviews. Yeah. Like you can go up and yeah, it's like, um, I'm totally blanking on the right word to use as well, but it's basically at the space where, um, yeah, like independent artists, mm-hmm. um, specifically animators can go and like pitch their, their stuff basically to try and maybe get some work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just get a job. Yeah. Cause I've never done that. Cause I, I can't draw for shit. So. Uh, I've, I've <laughs> walked by it a few times and it's, it's honestly really stressful just to like see how nervous people, cause it is, it is like the pinnacle of interviews. You, you get to talk yeah. to everyone in a three day span. My God, that's nuts. Um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I can see like that. If, if we do kind of a professional version of Comic-Con, you have that stay. You have, I assume Disney and Marvel might stay, but I can also see them doing their own thing. Well, because I think that's another element worth acknowledging is, you know, at this point, Disney does D23. And for the last few years, they've really and Star held, Wars Celebration. And Star Wars Celebrations. They've really held on to their big um, announcements and panels for those. Uh, DC announced DC Fandome, which is, I get what they're going for, but it's a terrible name. <laughs> Like their their big fan event that's gonna happen in August and it's all digital and they have it like broken up into like multiple rooms basically. So there's like like the I have it up here, the the watch verse, which is where you can see like all of the what would be like the panels basically mm-hmm. that you would normally watch for movies, television. They basically have everything there, like pretty much all of the animated shows, all the CW shows, all the upcoming movies, all the DC Universe shows. Um, animated and live action, obviously like the, they're doing something for the Snyder cut up there. That's all happening. It sounds like pretty big name people. I think I saw this week that, uh, Dwayne Johnson is confirmed to be there for black Adam. Like that's where your, your typical comic-con panels are going to happen. And there's like the U verse, which is where all like the fans can show all of their artwork and stuff. There's a thing for kids. There's the insider verse, which is all, um, like the, the, the deep cut stuff. So you're talking like the, the comic writers and tv creators kind of doing the more inside scoop stuff and then something called the fun verse i don't know what the fuck that is but like something like this doesn't necessarily i think hurt comic-con but if you factor in that the two major comic book movie studios at this point now are doing their own events if you factor in that a online version is going to exist. I find it hard to believe that the version of Comic-Con as we know it, where it's literally like, as we've said, hundreds of thousands of people showing up from across the industry and also fans. To me, that doesn't seem like it's going to be a continuing sustainable model. And there's a lot of people are gonna be like, well, why the hell am I going to have to go work so hard to get tickets? Cause that's also worth acknowledging too. It's ridiculously hard to attend at this point. Um, you know, why go to all this effort if, one, it's going to be almost impossible to get tickets. And then two, most of the stuff I want to see is going to be put up online anyways. You can't even get into those panels anymore. Yeah, I, I do see this kind of happening in a cycle where I feel like we're going to see a big change over the next you know, two to five years mm-hmm. where it will be an at-home focus. And you can kind of see this happening with E3 already, 
but as you know once you have like the hard change of at home then you kind of start creeping in the like the perks of being in person again Mm, and then you know five years from there you you still have this mecca of like i could go see this at i could just watch it at home but now i know they're all here again yeah And and i actually i bet that the exclusives are going to be one of the main ways they keep attendance going up again. Cause like, obviously this year comic-con itself is officially canceled. So they're going to do, I think some sort of online exclusives instead. Yeah. Yeah. So all the, all the main kind of uh, collectible and toy companies have, have started making their announcements mm-hmm. of the like entertainment earth has announced ninja bot diamond has talked about some of the stuff they're selling it all looks, I mean, it all looks pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Weta well, is doing an online shop. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense because they already had this stuff teed up, you know? Yeah. I mean, they already have, like, it It would suck. It sucks for the, there's that in-between section where there's the, the major exclusives, Artist Alley, and then there's, like, the like the small shop area Yeah. that's usually right by the food court. I think they're going to suffer the most. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can imagine there are a lot of businesses that rely in huge part on comic-con to get their name out there to get stuff sold um you know you probably get a lot of people who have like built relationships with fans at this point like you know i i have friends who go to like the same artists every year to get stuff um yeah that's i think we're gonna see like people really hurt on this what i think they should do and i think i even talked about this before is make the map interactable oh that would be so you see you can see the full map and just everything is clickable so you can click on the Marvel booth and it'll direct you to, you know, some landing page where Marvel stuff is happening. You can click on, you know, this and you can even do like team up with kind of team up with the Google Maps team mm-hmm. and have like a street view of Comic-Con. Oh, my God. Where you can have the you can physically walk through. And like I think for DC stuff, especially, I think it would be so cool if they like made the watchtower digitally so either you can click through on your computer or they make a vr experience where you can physically walk through the watchtower that would be awesome and you know there's like doorways you can kind of look in it's like oh this is where such and such panel is happening yeah and you click in and you know there's someone who has a 360 camera set up this is the Uh, mess hall where virgil and richie are getting sucked out of an airlock exactly and I, i i think there is huge potential to make the at-home experience still be kind of this luxury mm-hmm. thing. And you can still, I mean, like with the VR thing, you can still kind of profit and, you know, sell it for three bucks a head. Yeah. You know, it's it's the same experience, but with a cooler overlay. Um, but yeah, and then, and then kind of going on to, to what you mentioned before, with an at-home version, you can get so many more people in. Yeah. All right, sorry, not not people. Uh, guests in like having having Dwayne Dwayne the Rock. Also, I, I I'm very hurt that you did not call him Dwayne the Rock. It it felt <laughs> not even weird. Dwayne the it Rock feels Johnson weird just, to not hear just, just Dwayne, hear Dwayne Johnson. Um, <laughs> uh, like you you can get those big names and so many more of those big names because you know they're just going to be in front of their computer for 15 minutes. Yeah, you know you can pay them the same amount and not have to deal with flying them out, setting them up in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having to deal with the ravenous fans. I, I, I speculate that the, the major companies are now going to start doing some like 
cost evaluation on this? Because I, I think across the board, a lot of companies are going to start looking at the what's happened during quarantine and realize like, oh, we don't need to be paying for like really expensive business trips. People don't have to be there in person. A lot of this stuff can be done over a Zoom call now that that's been like established as a norm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to extend into Comic-Con. Like that is an exorbitant cost for yeah. a lot of companies. I mean, and and to be honest, like that's been one of the reasons why my love of Comic-Con has keep diminishing is that at this point now, it's like everything is bought out by companies it's like you go there and it's impossible to get a hotel room because they've been all been bought out by a company like all the good bars and restaurants are like bought out for nights for like exclusive parties and stuff like that and as just like a fan who wants to go and just enjoy being there like it it makes it harder and harder to do every year and i suspect that a lot of these companies are gonna go why the fuck are we gonna spend like for some hundreds of thousands for others probably into like the millions of dollars to have like a whole presence down there when you know we don't have exactly to your point we don't have to pay for robert down jr to be like staying on the like you know coronado island to pop in for 10 minutes like we just get him over a vc and it's gonna have the same effect yeah i will so so knowing some people that kind of work the event there are some positives to having everyone in the same spot because mm-hmm. i have my friend who's an editor for wb mm-hmm. or for, for cw specifically and all the cw shows they film kind of close to each other but not close enough where they can all kind of like meet up in the same spot yeah and so for him his comic-con sounds stressful (laughs) but he's basically working 18 hours every day because as the crews come in he gets to do he films kind of a year's worth of supergirl promos and then you know in two hours and then the supergirl supergirl team leaves and then flash comes in and then the whole flash team is there and then they leave and then yeah. arrow comes in and then and like he can the the team can film basically every promo or every interstitial for a year within four days that makes sense in my mind your friend is based just recording all those old disney channel promos of just like that's, that's basically like, what like they do Steve it's, and it's like, kind of wand, like you're watching the cw and he like draws out cw with a wand they they, they draw with their smolder though <laughs> I, uh, but I mean that that's basically what it is. It's it's kind of the crew coming in and being like, "Hey, what's up? I'm I'm Gus, uh, Gus, Gus. Gustafson. <laughs> what's his first Grant name? Gustin? <laughs> Grant Gustin. <laughs> Look, someone probably calls him Gus. Gus Gus Gustin. Yes, <laughs> Gus Gusterson. Um, I mean that that yeah, that's pretty much what it is. It's it's that, and then they'll do like, um, you'll have the entertainment people there, or the uh, like if you look in the back, they film it all in the boats because that's the oh, yeah. cheapest area now. Like IMDb does all their interviews. They basically have the celebrities boat hopping. Yeah, that's so amazing. Do, they'll record their stuff for work and then they'll do like interview, 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 and then they're done. Yeah. I mean that sounds exhausting, but also like I, I wouldn't mind hanging out in a boat. Yeah, right. I want to go. I want to go on the IMDb boat. It looks so cool. <laughs> it does look pretty damn cool. I mean. Are you going to participate in at home Comic Con? Uh, I'll I'll probably follow a little bit of it. Oh, okay, um, I I can pretty much guarantee that I won't. <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. Because I mean, you do have that that issue now of like the issue that we've had for a while. Of it, it's all online. It's literally yeah. We don't have to sit there and wait through a two hour panel when the highlights will be posted fifteen yeah. minutes later. Exactly, the trail will be up online. 
the panel highlights will be online. Like all the major announcements, we could post it anyways. Like, yeah, what I could do in like twenty minutes on like variety and comicmovie.com would save me from having to sit through like three hours of panels I don't care about. Yeah. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like I might check out a little bit of the, um, the DC fandom thing just to like see, I- I'm curious to just see how this sort of thing would work. Like, I'm curious to see like the, the flow of all of it and how well it comes together. But I mean, look, it's, it's a nice idea and I'm glad they're doing something, you know, it's like in lieu of being able to do proper comic con, um, like a proper big fan event, like this is a nice way to like keep that fervor going. Yeah. And I mean, they, they kind of have to, cause you can't, yeah. you can't screw all of the artists out of, out of this stuff. Yeah. Cause this is where they make their, this is where they make the most of their money. Most yeah. of their money. I know. It's from so, comics. Well, from cons. Uh, with any hope, there'll be a vaccine by this time next year. And you and I will actually be able to get tickets and we get to go to Comic-Con again. That would be nice. <laughs> That'd be nice. Oh man. Yeah. They, they just announced tangential, uh, as you would expect, Star Wars Celebration has been canceled. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, through through Disney, uh, Disneyland was doing the like the themed after night stuff or night mm-hmm. events, and they had a Star Wars night planned, which is canceled. They canceled the Halloween stuff in Orlando. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it all makes sense. It's just you know. It no, hurts. I know. It's you know, it's like we're we're in the middle of Pride Month, and you know, like this is the first time in years that I haven't gone to la pride and like it it's it's disappointing but it's also like well shit this sucks but hey yeah maybe next year yeah but hey we're still alive and safe that's and that's true. what's important right now that's true and mostly sane ish yeah i mean but that that was gonna that was gonna wane with or without all this stuff that's true that was already on the rocks yeah so th- this didn't do anything to make it better or worse uh all right well should we get into our, our episodes this week yeah let's do it all right, so uh, we uh, have The Parent Trap, our first episode this week, The Return of Shebang. Shebang is back. Shebang! Still uh, one of the best, like, character songs. Oh, it's amazing. I just, I, I do love their, their little musical interludes, uh, I, although I do have... Um, so in this episode, uh, like, the, the villain, he goes, like, by Heavy Man or whatever, right? And there's, a, like, some sort of song that plays and something about moving... And it's, I swear to God, it sounds like move bitch, get out the way like that. It sounds so, so close to that. I wonder if there's, if someone's compiled all of the songs, because I think we should rank every character song. Oh, we we should absolutely do an episode just on all the character songs. Yes. (laughs) Maybe we can have Ludacris be our guest on that. Oh, sure. Not Coolio. No, Coolio is busy. Yeah, that's true. He's got a very, very busy schedule. Uh, but no, so Shebang is back this week. And uh, and this time she asks uh, Static and Gear for her help to track down her parents um, who are out. They're trying to help a, a former colleague, Dr. Koenig, because I guess they were all trying to figure out how to find more efficient ways to absorb energy efficiently. And Dr. Koenig, like every cartoon villain ever, decided to experiment on himself. And now he's this kind of lizard. He looks a lot like the lizard from Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah, but he's just like this guy, this generic kind of gray skin tone sort of thing. But his whole thing is that he keeps um, absorbing more and more mass. And like he has to. That's like keep feeding to absorb more and more mass. Um, and so basically, uh, Shebang, a.k.a. Shanice, her parents uh, have to help Koenig steal a bunch of equipment so they can build uh, a giant pressure chamber to force 
the antidote under his skin. Um, and if they don't, they'll be killed by death callers. Yes. Love it's the as, heads of death as callers. Villainous as villainy can be. Like, they were they were two lasers away from being the most generic villain. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of a fun setup in a lot of ways. Like, you know, it even starts off with a mystery. Like we have some random persons going around and hitting a bunch of um, like chemical plants and chemical companies trying to steal a bunch of compounds. And all we know about them is that like a normal sized footprint is left behind, but it's absolutely massive. And uh, I love that sequence where Virgil and Richie are trying to like run through the list of possible villains that it could be who mm-hmm. they've encountered before. Like, yeah, because they at this point they know all they know everyone that was in the Big Bang, so we think. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they most of them at least, and they have a few villains that would fit the mold. Like they they mentioned Kangor, but I guess he's like in prison slash has like size one hundred and thirty eight feet. Yeah, uh, it could have been Onyx, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if he's heavy enough to leave a footprint behind. But I don't I think, think so. We we see him like shake buildings, but yeah, I don't think I don't think leave a print in wood. Yeah, which like that is kind of hard to do. Yeah, how much pressure would that take? I mean, you would you would have to like shear the wood in a very clean pattern. Like normally, it would like kind of like fracture and splinter. Yeah, it would splinter. Yeah, yeah. So like to actually like to punch through wood in almost like a you know like Looney Tune style like hole in the wall, but with your feet, that actually would take a lot. I mean. Once again, this is one of those engineering things. Like I remember just enough to like kind of know how hard it would be, but not enough to actually give a real scientific answer. Yeah. If anything, that just makes it worse. I should just make shit up on the spot and say it would take like four thousand pounds. Well, that's exactly how much he weighs. <laughs> Look at that! Oh my god, I'm a scientist there, now. There was a, a story I was talking about with a friend last night, t- tangential to your point mm-hmm. of how NASA has been handling quarantine. Okay. Because they still have to go into the office. Uh, oh yeah, I guess yeah. And so they have badge scanners to get through, you know, because they're, you know, secretive mm-hmm. and to make sure people stay their right distance. They're trying to think of like, what's the easiest way we can do a badge scanner where we're still staying six feet away from each other. Mm-hmm. And basically what they did is the very ingenious act of taping their badges to a, uh, a broom handle <laughs> And using that to push over to the scanner. And like, these are the smartest minds, people. I I was going to make a joke that they uh, all of a sudden start wearing like old-fashioned hoop skirts. But oh, I be, do like that. But to be honest, the broom handle thing is just about as idiotic as the joke I was going to make. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is, that is so, some Looney Tunes bullshit right there. Like, you kind of expect them to like build a little robot to like run around and like fetch like a, a self-disinfecting yeah, that, robot. Yeah, yeah, to go and, like, fetch everyone's badge and, like, truck it over to the scanner and come back. Yeah. Th- that's what you hope what happens, but no. They just... Bunch of fucking broom handles. Yeah. Wait, does each person have their own broom handle? I, I don't know exactly how it works. I, I don't know if it's, like, a, if it's one broom handle, but then that then they're all using the... Then they're all touching the same broom handle. Yeah, it's no different than just touching the same scanner. Yeah. I don't know. I need to look into this more. <laughs> Can you please do that? Can you please... I will Do I'll come in back depth with, research my, with more quicksand facts and NASA facts. <laughs> I'm absolutely here for it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's like kind of a fun setup. Uh, it's also great to see Shebang back, who's just super fun. And yeah, she she had such a cool dynamic to the group. Yeah, well, and I I even love that she, like, she's so easily able to one up 
Virgil and Richie. Like the fact that she follows them back to their hideout and just like hiding in the corner and just like super casually just sees who they actually are. Yeah. Well, yeah, which shows like any villain could have done this. Armand Dillon could do that. Uh, Ebon could do it or a bandman could do it. Yeah. Ebon especially. Yeah. Wait, has... Has Rubber Band Man ever been to their hideout? No. I guess this is the only other hero that's ever been there. Because I also feel like sometimes they're really lax about taking people there. Like, didn't... Don't they even take... Oh, I don't know. I seem to recall them, like, taking someone there recently. Like, like Time Zone in the next episode? I can't remember. But... They they do take Time Zone. Um, yeah, when before she's a hero. When she's just Nina, they take her to... Yeah, the gas to, station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not being very secretive about this. No, at all. And I'm because like because the other one I was thinking was is Brainiac is there, but he's he's inside backpacks. That doesn't count. Yeah, but I mean, we also see how lax their security is, considering that when they open the door, it's just Virgil zapping with his powers. Yeah, because they clearly have no like door locks or light switches. Which makes you wonder how does Richie get in without Virgil? He doesn't. That's true. Yeah. It's one of Virgil's like really subtle ways. Well, let's be honest, not that subtle of reminding him who the real hero is. Yeah. He has a superiority complex. Oh, he absolutely does. Uh, but um, I also liked that we finally got a chance to see this guy because he's been in the intro this whole season. Yeah. I forgot that this is who he was. And I kept waiting. Like, when do, when do we get in this weird like lizard looking dude? And then he finally shows up. And my first thought was, oh, hey, it's that guy from the intro. And that was exactly my thought. Yeah. And my second thought is, oh, my God, it's Ron Perlman again. <laughs> Wait, is it Ron Perlman? It is Ron Perlman. Oh, good for him. I know. He, I looked this I up. I forgot to look up all the voice cast. Because he has done so many characters. In... He's also in the news right now, which is hilarious. He is. Yeah. So um, we follow him on, on Twitter. And it's been hilarious because like he's basically in a Twitter war with fucking ted cruz he's trying to start a boxing match with ted cruz well so he ron perlman made fun of this other guy matt gantz um who's also in the news because he put up a photo of him and his quote-unquote like cuban son which yes who's definitely his boyfriend yeah exactly yeah all the guys like "Mm -hmm." uh so that's been going on. And then Ted Cruz came to Matt Gantz's defense by telling Ron Perlman that she, he should wrestle some other guy on <laughs> over Twitter. Yes. Who is a former Olympian. <laughs> uh, I just guy. I, I love Ron Perlman so much. I really, really do. Yeah. And, and Ron Perlman being the great man he is, is trying to twist this into a charity event. Love it. He's like, hey, if you fight me, I will donate $50,000 to Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I just, it, the, the thing that's so funny about this, too, is that at the end of the day, like, it is a celebrity having a Twitter war with a politician. So no matter how it ends, the politician always looks bad because you are having a Twitter war with a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. I, I also love that, like, I, I don't want to give it to the YouTubers, but like I feel like celebrity boxing matches are going to start becoming a thing again because of Jake Paul. Oh, probably. Yeah, I think that will happen. Mm-hmm. Fucking and Jake I'm Paul. all for it. 
I'm all for watching a bunch of YouTubers get the shit kicked out of them. Well, there's the um, there's the thing. I don't think it still happens. The the thing that used to happen at South by Southwest, which was debate boxing. Oh yeah, which I think I brought up because it's something that I desperately want to do. Mm -hmm. Where you have a three minute debate and then a three minute round of boxing, and uh, it it lasts until either one person wins the debate or the other person falls in the in the ring. Not not to not to confuse it with boxing chess. Right, of which course. is the same idea, but they bring in a chess a chessboard for three minutes in the middle of a boxing ring. Um, Cameron, should you and I do a charity event where we do debate boxing about which is the better Scooby Doo movie, one or two? I would you would you be because da- I yes I would I mean, love to box let's, you. Let's let's be honest. What this ultimately ended up meaning is it would be a charity event to watch me get trounced in both a debate and at <laughs> boxing because you box every day. I would get the shit knocked out of me. <laughs> If, if you're willing to get into the ring, then sure. It would be it would be you getting also like five years worth of pent up annoyance at me out in the boxing <laughs> ring. It's just gonna be me on the ground at a certain point. You're just kicking me like this is for all the times you cut me off on the podcast. <laughs> no one cares, Chris. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, I might be down for this. <laughs> they only want to know about quicksand. <laughs> Oh, wait, hang on. Hang on. Now I've got it. I've, had, I've figured out how we up the ante on this. Oh, the <laughs> loser falls into a vat of quicksand? No, the whole thing happens in quicksand. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm down. In which case, I'm still going to lose. I'm going to end up drowning in quicksand, inevitably. But So I, I looked it up real quick. Um, can you remember all the different characters that Ron Perlman has voiced in uh, DCAU so far? Oh, no, not at all. Okay. So I, would, I would confuse him with Clancy Brown too much. Okay, fair. Um, so the more famous ones, of course, are Clayface, mm-hmm. Jax Ur from Superman. Yeah. The other Kryptonian. Uh, Orion. Yeah. He also voiced uh, Driller from the BTOS episode POV. Okay. Um, and then also Mr. Tarnower from the episode Mudslide, also featuring Clayface. I don't remember that character at all, but he kind of looks like Mr. Peanut as a human. <laughs> okay. So, and then, of course, here he is as Heavy Man. There was a, a post that I saw a couple days ago talking about the next villain origin movie people want to see is Clayface. Yes. Because they make it they make it an ensemble film, but it's all just Clayface. You you like you film it like in Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. but then you realize at the end that it's all just the same guy. It's all the same guy. Or you can do it um, that uh, that Bob Dylan movie from like what ten fifteen years ago now with all the different actors playing Bob Dylan. What was that called? I don't. I've never heard of that one. I'm not there. Okay. So I've it's never heard of that. Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, um, Marcus Carl Franken, Richard Gere, Heath Ledger, and Ben Wishaw. Oh, oh. Really young Ben Wishaw, clearly, uh, from 2007, all playing like different versions of Bob Dylan. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Dude, I love me some Bob Dylan. Yeah. I've always wanted to create a game show, though, which is uh, the contestants have they hear a piece of music and they have to guess whether it's Bob Dylan or a kazoo. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I challenge you to differentiate the two. I really like, go, go pitch that to SNL. <laughs> I will. 
Uh, but no, it's always good to have some Ron Perlman back in the episode. Uh, I mean, what do you think about Heavy Man as a villain in general? Like, do you like him? Do you think he's kind of silly? There, there's one aspect that I enjoy because he is supposed to be, a, you know, he's a scientist. He's a smart person. Yeah. And we see that in one instance, because usually when we have a smart villain, they never actually use their brain. <clears throat> no, they're usually um, an idiot. <clears throat> but it's when he's fighting Static the second time. Uh, and instead of trying to physically fight him, because obviously Static is in the air, he can't get to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, what, what does he say? Uh, he said, let's, te- let's have a test in structural engineering. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. he just... He just uh disintegrates the main support pillar mm-hmm. to knock out static and I'm like that's smart thinking no i mean he he is smart like he does that um when he's trying to steal a bunch of uh, what was it, like liquid nitrogen i think mm-hmm. um he like opens up the canister to shoot it into the air to like create a smoke screen to escape yeah that was also pretty clever it's like yeah like he's he's actually intelligent about how he goes about his uh his crimes Mm-hmm. And um, and fairly nonviolent. He don't, yeah, you don't see him throw a punch. He, no. he throws stuff. Yeah. And I guess because I guess, ooh, that's a. Oh, I guess he, he he gets to choose whether he dissolves things or not and absorbs their mass. Yeah, yeah. Because the car, he he dissolves everything but the tire. Yeah. Also, his verb of violence is also super passive aggressive, considering that he's got like those poison collars on Jesus' yeah. parents. And I, I even love that they they couldn't make them like you would expect a a a, a collar like that like the classic version is it blows up your head right like that's like the suicide squad version of it like it just blows your head off right like, it's all you have to do is like put a little explosive charge in there you're good to go instead these are like time released poison collars that I guess have some sort of like weird little injector thing in there that'll just like little little pinprick and then you're dead mm-hmm. it's kind of silly. It's kid friendly, kid safe. That's true. <laughs> we always have to go kid friendly. Um, I think my favorite part of this episode, though, is when uh, Shebang's parents show up to the like the the big chemical plant where um, Heavy Man is stealing the liquid nitrogen. One, because it's like it's just a cool twist. Like here, we thought they were kidnapped, and all of a sudden, wait, what? They're working with Heavy Man. Why? But the best part about it is they show up in these like giant walker suits. Yeah, they look the giant kinda, mechs. Yeah, they look like. Like kidified versions of the like the load lifter suit from Aliens, the one that she uses to fight the alien queen. Oh, in. that's exact. I was trying to think of what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, but like nowhere near as badass and like way more ridiculous because they're just like standing and they have this massive glass panel in front of them, which seems like the the least effective way to walk around in a robot suit. Shit, Chris, it's James Cameron stole this for Avatar. Oh my god, you're right. Because that's exactly what what's his face is in when he's fighting in the end. Oh, I can't remember the character's name, but Stephen Lang is the actor. But yeah, yeah like the, the gruff no general. One, no guy. one remembers the character. No, no one no one remembers any character names in that. Not even you, the world's number one Avatar fan. I I make sure that I always have three names memorized now because of your question. <laughs> but can you name a fourth? Hold on, let's see. We got Jake Sully. Uh-huh. Uh, we have Grace Augustine. Oh, is that a Sigourney Weaver's character? Yeah. Yep, nice. yep, yep. Uh, you have... Oh, okay, who's the other scientist? His <laughs> name is... You have Natiri. Is the, is okay, the, well done. The girl. So there, there you go. Three. Yeah, I know that one. And... and it's begins with an N, and it's not Neville, and I don't think it's Nigel very impressed right now yeah 
Yep, yep. Um, no, the the chief is uh, it's like Anuk An. All right, time's up. Okay, <laughs> you fine. can't do four. But now I know that if every week I just ask you to name yet another cast member, another character from Avatar, eventually you have all of them down. Eventually, I will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to talk about because last week we we talked about the the grand disservice that cartoons do for security guards. Yes, poor security guards. No I want to bring I want to bring another profession into light uh, in cartoons that are greatly mis uh, misconstrued. Is it photoshoppers? Because this episode is the world's <laughs> worst version of just static pointing at a computer screen and it does a full Photoshop job. It 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 could be editors. No, I want to go with garbage men. Oh yeah. Because garbage cans are always filled to the brim everywhere you go in these worlds. This is true. And I feel like that's putting a really negative look on garbage men not doing their jobs. I mean, because there was even even the beginning of this episode when uh Virgil and Richie like challenged each other to see who can get back to the, the base fastest. Like when Richie is like roller skating on the side of a wall, he passes a garbage guy and you're waiting for like some sort of moment. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're kind of expecting it to be one of those things where like, you know, like in his haste, like Richie like scares this guy and he drops his can. And he's got this big mess on the ground or something like that. Like you're, you're kind of waiting for this poor guy to like have like an all like you poor guy moment. But then nothing happens. Yeah, no, he's so used to this. But then I wanted to bring up another point for you, Chris, something that is going to make you very angry. Will it now? Um, if you remember the opening of the Joker movie, oh. the reason they're upset is because there's a garbage strike oh in the poorer neighborhoods of Gotham. You're absolutely right. Yep, that's true. That was a thing. Yep. It all ties together. God damn it. Even in Dakota, there's a garbage strike going on. So I think I think what we've learned is that all the big creatives, you know, so Butch Hartman, James Cameron, Todd Phillips, apparently. <laughs> those big names. So those big name creators uh, have just been stealing stuff from Static Shock this entire time. Constantly. God damn it. No love for Static. Yeah. It's bastards. Too I- it's too iconic. So I-, I think what they need to do to make up for it is... Uh, Todd Phillips, actually, no, never mind. He needs to never make a movie ever again. James Cameron needs to make a movie about garbage men. Yes, absolutely. Yes, to to redeem all the horrible things the entertainment industry has done to garbage men uh, and also to security guards. I want the the theme song to be a duet between <laughs> between Will Smith and Ludacris. Yes, called "Taking Out the Trash." Yes. <laughs> Yep, here, okay, it's a buddy cop movie where Will Smith plays a security guard and Ludacris plays a garbage man. Yeah. And, like, they work for, I don't know, just some general big conglomerate, your Wayne Tech-type companies, and they're the only two people that realize that a major heist is about to happen and they have to stop it. Exactly. Yep. It, it's Home Alone style. Yep. And, and, you know, and over the course of the movie, we see that never once does Will Smith ever sleep on the job. He is the most diligent and observant security guard you will ever see. Yeah, uh, and never and once is... do we see a half-filled trash can. No, not even that. Like, literally, like, someone drops a banana peel into that trash can and Ludacris swoops through and that thing is empty in an instant. He's on it. Yeah, we need to give these guys the credit they deserve. Yeah. Because <laughs> our industry has fucked them over <laughs> continuously. 
Just can't wait for that single. <laughs> I mean, I think I think we need like a Pitbull cameo in there too. Uh, and, and, and not in the movie, in the song. Yes, of course, yeah. In the but movie, it, we need um, what's his face from Cats, James Corden. Jason, no, no, Jason no. Derulo. Jason Derulo. <laughs> Do you think that it's in their contract that even if they have a film cameo, that both Pitbull and Jason Derulo have to announce themselves ahead of time? Of course, <laughs> every time they get on set. <laughs> Jason Derulo, as as weird as this is, has become like. A viral TikTok person. What the? Of course he said since, since quarantine started. He he chipped his front tooth doing a video. Uh, yeah, the world is weird right now, Chris. Do you do you think that Jason Derulo's alarm in the morning when he wakes up is just him saying Jason Derulo, lest he forget who he is? Of course. Here's the, oh you know what it is Chris I just realized what it is he has that that mental problem from Fifty First Date uh, yeah the Fifty First Date syndrome yeah <laughs> where every morning he has to say his name and that's how he knows that he sang the song uh, and just like Fifty First Date it was Adam Sandler who first caught on and taught him how to keep it going yeah. Good. Oh, I, uh, have, have, I, I was talking about someone. I was talking to someone about Adam Sandler the other day. Have you watched the Sweeney Todd movie? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, never mind then. Okay, very exciting. <laughs> you should watch it. It's great. Uh, I might watch it at some point. Tim Burton's kind of hit or miss for me sometimes. I mean, I, I think the music in it is is amazing. Oh, okay, Alan Rickman has a beautiful voice. Oh, Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sings uh, a weird duet with Johnny Depp. Love it. Who actually has like a really good voice in this movie. I'm not too surprised by that, actually. I can kind of yeah. see that. Oh, goddamn. I don't know. Like, this this for the most part was like, I don't know. It was it was kind of fun. It was kind of throwaway. Like I mean, they, they did some nice stuff in terms of the team dynamic between uh Shebang and Static and Gear. Like Static even says at the end of it, it's like, oh yeah, I know, it's all part of being a team. And they sort of like semi invite her to be a part of the team whenever she shows up again which i think she does right i feel like she has at least one more yeah she has one more episode next season episode okay yeah but um i don't know like overall a little bit forgetful for me yeah forgettable yeah i I don't i don't think this is a necessary episode no i did like though um at the very end once uh heavy man has like finally absorbed too much mass and then he just like basically like steps through and just like cracks through the um the parking garage just like keeps falling and falling and falling i was i thought he was just gonna keep going yeah i thought yeah because we didn't we have like a superman villain that just like fell to the center of the earth or something that sounds vaguely familiar but i can't quite recall i mean uh jack sewer got sucked into a black hole that's not quite the same thing is it yeah i don't think that's what i'm thinking of uh yeah I, i was expecting like them to have this kind of traumatic moment where yeah he just keeps falling deeper and deeper yeah and so he gets stuck down there and then the only way he can get him out is to wheel him away on like like that massive crawler yeah which i i'm pretty sure it's basically supposed to be like the saturn 5 crawler like the the giant um transport they use to like actually move the um so the like the, the saturn 5 for those of you who don't know, that was like the, the rocket that the Apollo program used to get to the moon. It's like, I think to this day, the world's largest rocket ever built. 
Um, it's actually massive. And so they had this, this huge transport crawler, which looks just like the thing in this episode. But it's basically like this, this massive platform on these huge, huge tank treads because they had to move the Saturn V from the, um, the facility where it was built out to the launch site. And like, mm-hmm. that's basically the only thing in this universe that can handle the mass of heavy man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you, you do feel, feel for the guy a little bit. Cause this isn't, this isn't a big bang problem. A big bang it's, problem. Oh, oh, I see. I was like, yeah. as in the big bang theory. Yes. This is not a, this is not Sheldon's problem. Yeah, you're right. He's not a bang baby. He's just like, but like, I also don't feel bad for him because he was stupid enough to experiment on himself. Right. Well, like, at least do this in Gotham. Like, come on, don't do this okay. in another city. That is actually now that that is the third profession that this universe has completely shat upon, which is like research scientists. Like, yeah. In this universe, all research scientists conduct experiments on themselves. I mean that that's a that's a greater comic book problem. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Because that's every Spider-Man villain. Yeah, pretty much. I mean that that's most Marvel villains. I think that was that was the thing is like Marvel in the 60s Marvel was known for their human characters. And so every every villain was just a misunderstood scientist. Yeah. Like this poor guy. Yeah. Who's basically just a lizard. Yeah, I was going to say lizard, uh vulture. I mean it's literally all of them. It's yeah. Except for maybe Shocker, who I think is just some dude with electric gloves. Yeah. But I don't know. Electro. Yeah. I don't know my Spider-Man villains that well. Um, I don't know. Any other major thoughts on this guy? Uh, I think that's it. I'm ready for the emotional All right. gut punch that is flashback. Yeah. So uh, flashback. Very topical. Yes. Today. Very topical. I mean, this this would follow under, you know, what we've kind of referred to as like the, the very special episodes of Static Shock. But even that feels like it's sort of jamming it with um, faint praise. Like it's, it's a really good emotional episode. But um, basically static and gear come across this girl nina who's being chased by ebon and she has the ability to travel through time so richie builds her a a device that lets her control her powers and she becomes the hero time zone but while they're testing out the device they get attacked by ebon and the four of them end up going uh back five years in time to the night of the dakota riots the dakota gang riots uh which is the night that virgil's mom was killed um yeah so i mean strangely uh topical but also very very emotional um you know and so while they're there they're basically one trying to stop ebon from unleashing the um the bang baby gas five years earlier during the riots but the same which i think is a great like a a a great villainous act it is no it, it makes a lot of sense like his whole thing is he wants um just more bang babies and he wants to be able to control them and like mm-hmm. and this would be you know, if you think about the circumstances under which the the Big Bang itself happened, you know, which was just more like a, a gang fight, but on a much smaller scale, um, you know, this would be on a, a huge scale uh, with the city kind of pushed to its limits and to unleash it then would be crazy. And then you also, you know, run the possibility that like there aren't heroes like static and gear to step in and try and correct things too that it just goes completely out of hand mm-hmm. so they're they're trying to stop that while at the same time um virgil's trying to save his mom and uh, i mean because th- this is one that you've been talking about a lot as we've been going through the series like uh, how did it hold up for you had you seen it? what was the last time you watched it oh probably five or six years ago okay uh th- this is one that i can't rewatch a lot because it does still it does still make me pretty emotional yeah because that ending is such a gut punch. It really is. Um, 
no it's it's such a good episode and it's it's it it does we we can spend a minute if we want talking about like time theory mm-hmm. i don't want to I, 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 <laughs> but so we can <laughs> I, th- I think this this episode follows what i think is referred to as like the the predestination version of time travel which is basically yeah. like i guess you could say it's the um the the harry potter time turner version yeah once where, it's happened it, it's yeah it's already happened exactly yeah so the the version of uh the past as we know it uh was already the result of someone having traveled through time and, and yes it, and it is fully things. set in stone yeah so you know basically the the idea at the end of this episode is that um you know there was no way for virgil to go back and save his mom and if anything he already did go back yeah. and save his mom. Um, and, th- and there's a few other little things they throw in here to kind of support that idea. Um, one of them being is that during the chase with Ebon, when he's driving around this massive gas tanker filled with the bang baby gas, um, static and gear accidentally destroy the gas station that is now their hideout. Mm-hmm. So it's like, now we know how it got destroyed. Cause they always were, you know, there during this time, they always destroyed it. Um, but you know, the other element of is it is that, uh, you know, we can believe that static always went back in the past and saved his mom from getting um, crushed under a building. And he always talked with her, but that she, as a result, always went off to go back out in the city to, um, to try and like save more people. Cause she's an EMT and ultimately she's uh, killed by a, a stray bullet. Yeah. But it's, I, this is going to sound pretty common for you now. Okay but I think this should have been a two-parter. <laughs> I, I should have guessed that, but what, why Why do you think it should have been a two-parter? What about it? What did you have done? Well, one, I just wanted to spend more time with his mom. Okay. Uh, it but, is so surprisingly I, rushed. They basically only have one scene together, which I, I, yeah. I was expecting more. Um, But I mean, that, that in itself kind of like plays up to Virgil of like he even though all he wanted to do was spend time with his mom, he, he heroic still took charge. Yeah. Which is exactly what his mom did too. Yeah. Um, so I think you go into Ebon a little bit more. You open, I like opening on the memorial. I thought that was beautiful and well done, mm-hmm. but then you cut to Ebon realizing that his crew has all been captured. He's kind of going similar to how static and gear were kind of going through the list of, of bang babies that are still loose you have ebon kind of like realizing that everyone has been captured now and he's kind of the lone villain standing Uh, okay i like that yeah either that or he gets in a fight with them and they just leave him and he's mad that he can't control the situation Mm -hmm. but that would support why he's chasing down um nina too exactly because her her explanation is that Yvonne wants her so he can get away from the cops when he has a power that allows him instantaneously like teleport away from people. So that doesn't make as much sense as him just desperately needing anyone else to fill out a crew with. Right. Uh, so you have that, that situation. Well then, no, I don't want to get into that time. Dude. Here's, here's a time conundrum. Mm-hmm. You have Yvonne breaking into a bank, steals the money while holding the money goes back in time 15 minutes is still in the bank can he steal that money again to reap double the profits no right no okay <laughs> no i i would say no 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 because the 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 money 
anything in the time bubble is is not affected by the time travel yeah it's like so when so it wouldn't reappear yeah because it, it has to do it has to have had disappeared for him to have stolen it in the first place right okay yeah okay. kind of like when crazy. when they initially figure out that nina can go back in time like they jump back 10 minutes and they still see themselves right yes so that, that that's right yeah there's only a 10 minute window in which case they could run into each other and then they're gone they have to disappear from the timeline to reappear 10 minutes ago correct yes uh okay that, that was unnecessary tangent <laughs> so yeah so ebon is is going around just kind of like uh wrangling up the stragglers the 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 the, of the big bang so he finds nina not i don't think he knows what her power is yet he just knows that she is a bang baby okay uh and then it reveals her power and then he's like oh shit i can get all my friends out of jail with this uh and then static comes in and then you know they use their power for their selfish needs of going back and trying to save his mom uh and then ebon is there and has the idea of like oh fuck why don't i need to deal with those assholes that already turned on me when i can just make all these new bang babies that have to listen to me because i created them yeah because then you have that kind of deepening the plot you could even have the gas like leak you could have him make a new sidekick okay uh make a new number two with the guy proving that the gas works mm-hmm. um and so now you have this new bang baby that they have to deal with. And now the mom sees what's going on. You know, the, the, the part one ends with the new bang baby coming out. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then part two is now static and his mom not only have to keep people safe during the riots, but now there's this other threat going on of the second bang baby and the truck. And then probably something, maybe something can happen with time zone or that's her name, right? Time, time squad. Zone, yeah. Time squad. Uh, time squad. Um, maybe like she can get like, oh shit, the stray bullet that's supposed to hit the mom hits time zone. Wait, but that wouldn't work with the version of time travel they use. I know, I know, I know, but there's another stray bullet. It's fine. There's a lot of stray bullets. So, just nonstop stray bullets. Yeah. Something happens to time zone where she gets knocked out and now mom has to take care of her mm-hmm. while all this is going down oh okay i can see that making sense yeah so then then she's still she's a little more integral into the storyline and then it then it kind of plays out the same way that it did mm-hmm. so that i guess your your version then too would also have static have a little more time with his mom like yes. maybe like maybe they're like actually working together to go around and like help people throughout the city and then mm-hmm. at a certain point it becomes clear that like they have to split up to go you know like static has to go off and stop ebon because no one else can yeah yeah no i i like that it would have been it would have been nice to have them have a little bit more time together especially because she's like she's such an integrated part of the story even though we've never in the 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 series of static and we've wanted to spend time with her since season one yeah but we've we've known this character since the first episode i i will say though i think the way they did it puts the audience more in Virgil's perspective, right? Yeah. So you think about the fact that, you know, she keeps getting referenced, you know, like a few times each season over the course of the series. We've never met her in the same way that, like, you know, Virgil, she's never an active presence or a a present, you know, um, element of his life anymore. And even the the brief moments we get with her are rather fleeting, which is just kind of like Virgil, Virgil. Like, I think emotionally that puts us more in his 
shoes of like, you know, you and I came out of this episode wanting to have spent more time with her because she's such a, you know, a, a, a warm, charming character. And that's exactly how Virgil feels, like not having gotten the time that he really wanted with her. Mm-hmm. So it, I think in, in a weird way, that brevity actually works in their favor. That, that's true. That's a really good point. Yeah. Because it is like, I, I mean, because you've talked about this episode a lot, and I th- I'm pretty sure I saw this one in air, but I wouldn't have seen it since then. So it's been almost 20 years, probably since I watched it last. And I, in my mind, like they spent a lot of time together. Like I was expecting their interaction to be longer. And so I yeah, was kinda, like, the, like the whole episode. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by how much um, prelude there was in this episode before they even go back in time. And then even when they're there, it's really, really brief. But again, like I guess it does kind of make sense that it would be fairly short. Like I, I'd, when he's telling her to stay on the roof, like I knew that's how the episode ended. And I was like, Oh, this feels like it's really early on in the episode. That's weird. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they don't get any more time together and it's it's genuinely heartbreaking too when um you know virgil sees that she's back out on the streets like as he's getting pulled into the future oh yeah that 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 one hurt the most yeah and 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 then virgil's kind of kind of i want to say b plot emotion b plot b emotion plot is when he's talking to richie he has that moment where he's like i don't remember my mom very much like that's yeah. something that i can never get back yeah and i mean so, he's forgetting her it's been yeah. five years and he was a kid yeah and like i get that i don't have a lot of memories of my dad yeah uh, but then him kind of going over at the end of like this is something i'm never going to forget like that's that that was awesome that i think that's the point that like gave me the biggest gut punch yeah he because he got that time just that little mm-hmm. bit of time even well, and that he got to see her as like almost like an adult. I mean, okay, at this point he's what fifteen mm-hmm. or so, but given what he's gone through, like he's matured a lot, you know. And I mean, he's he's grown up in a lot of ways. And so to like to have that moment's really sweet. And then of course, what um, you know, his dad comes in and says like, you know, she kept talking about how proud she was of you and that you were her superhero. It's just like, oh my god, like, just absolutely heartbreaking, but also yeah, incredibly like, hey, touching. Alan Burnett, hey, fuck you. What? Oh, for making you feel? Yeah, yeah for for writing this episode. <laughs> I was like, why he did such a nice thing? Like, oh right, yeah, he made you have the feelings. I don't want to <laughs> feel. I don't have time for feelings I right just, now. Just want to be a robot. I got shit to all the do. Time. Uh, also, this was John Semper Jr. who wrote this, not Alan Burnett. Oh, did did he direct it? Uh, I don't think it has a credited director, actually. Oh, I, th- I thought I saw his name. Maybe, maybe he did the episode before. Maybe he did Parent Trap. Yeah. No, it was... Um, this was the the tell play by Dennis Cohen, one of the producers, and then written by John Semple Jr. Okay. So... But no, it's... It's it's a really, really touching episode. And I, and I know that the, the, the Dakota... Um, gang riots i'm pretty sure the creatives have come forward and said that it's it's sort of loosely based off of the the la riots from the 90s oh absolutely you you can see it in that opening shot yeah what, what i thought was interesting is that they don't really give a lot of context here um you know they basically say that it was just like a, a a rolling blackout happened during a a super hot summer night and then um you know uh gang violence just started popping up left and right i thought it i mean i guess it, to be fair it would have been hard to 
really get into the 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 politics of the riots because like that i think like that's the one thing that they don't necessarily carry over from the the real life situation mm-hmm. was you know the the true um you know like racial tension and politics that that caused la riots back in the 90s like they don't get into that here which i guess that one that'd be very hard to do in a short period of time in a kid's show and also it is a kid's show like i think they have to try and go for like the simplest version possible right um but yeah i, I don't know it, i guess in my mind seeing them portray it that way to me maybe sort of undercut the reality of that a little bit and it's i think only relevant because we're seeing such similar things happen again now Um, i i think i think the way they did it where kind of everything was in silhouette and there was no real detail in in any of the flashback shots minus the the mom mm -hmm. i think that they that kind of helps me a little bit because then you can kind of put anything behind there yeah that's true like obviously i think the la riots are most prevalent for us one because we live in la um but you know maybe it's different for people in chicago baltimore dallas yeah you can kind of you can kind of fill that in with whatever you need it to be that's true yeah it becomes a little more um i want to say universal it's a weird word but i, I see what you mean yeah like it it it, it becomes ambiguous yeah that's word. yeah like it, it just allows it to kind of stand in it more because more of a generic stand in for this same sort of situation you can see play out across many different cities mm-hmm. so but yeah I, I guess i was hoping because this show has never shied away from being very pointed in terms of its um its commentary its social commentary its political commentary and i guess ultimately that's not what this episode was about you know ultimately right. it was about um his relationship with his mom which i think is a much stronger story anyways um, but just given that we've seen them be so upfront with their commentary and I guess I was hoping to find some sort of like topical reference now, given everything that's going on and it wasn't quite, quite there, but I mean, that doesn't, you know, undercut the, the emotional impact of this episode, which is, I'd say probably the best of all of them so far. Mm-hmm. I just thought of a very dumb cameo they could have added. <laughs> what is because I mean, they 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 should and shouldn't kind of bring in like the police commentary aspect of it, but what if they had like Pop's girlfriend had like just started being a cop? Oh, that could have been kind of interesting. And you kind yeah. of see her, and like Virgil saves her as well. Yeah, and, like not even realizing that it's her. Or I mean, I think Virgil saving her, or and and this may have been a bit too heavy handed, but it would have been interesting to see the mom save her yeah you know and like and that's that it's like you're gonna fuck my husband one day (laughs) yes it's exactly what they would have said (laughs) but like you know if they had decided to make it a longer a two-part sort of situation like you said like that would have been an interesting element to introduce the idea that you know virgil discovers there was a connection between the two that he never knew about and that maybe robert's always known about but never brought up to them because he just didn't Mm -hmm. want to um address it because it's really you know uh, a really emotional thing yeah so i kind of on on that point i watched um the new pete Sa- pete davidson movie last week oh okay yeah what, what is it called it's king the, king of staten island king of staten island yeah uh where they have that similar point is uh based off loosely based off pete davidson's life mm-hmm. bill burr plays a uh a fireman mm-hmm. who worked with Pete Davidson's dad back in the day. 
Oh, okay. Uh, and so he has this awkward connection. But, you know, towards the end, they finally was like, hey, tell me stories about my dad. Like, I, I know what my mom tells me and kind of like his fatherly side. Like, what was he like as a bro? What was he like as a friend? Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, it, it's a completely different person. It's a, it's a different story. Yeah, it's a completely different POV. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that movie's good. I think, I think people should check it out. Okay. Is it, uh, like 45 minutes too long? Cause it's a Judd Apatow movie. Uh, honestly, it, it, I think the pacing was pretty good. The first oh, okay. like 30, it's, it's nothing like what the trailers portrayed as. I don't think. Okay. The the trailers kind of played up more the aspect of him talking with the little kids. Because uh, he has to, part of his, he's a bum, a 23-year-old bum. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the deal of staying at home is he has to walk uh, Bill Burr's kids to school every day. Oh, okay. And so the trailer shows like that being the main bulk of the film. was like him kind of doing therapy with this 8-year-old and 6-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, that that moment is very brief. And it's good that that is like a good amount of time you spend with those kids. And then the rest of it is him kind of dealing with Bill Burr becoming a new father figure who is almost the same father figure. And, you know, he can't get close because he already lost one dad in a fire. How can you trust another? Yeah. Firefighter. Fireman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually sounds pretty good. I might check that out. Um, I I had a few little moments that I I loved in this episode. Uh, One is when gear explains, the device the time zone uses to control time uh and he describes it as being just like rewinding a vcr which even in 2003 would have been kind (laughs) of a dated reference yeah uh yeah i love that that for me beat out um static name dropping britney spears is the most dated reference in the entire episode love that I, i missed that one yeah uh it's ebon sees them and goes in the run and he says static something like oh who are you expecting britney spears Oh, that's good. Which is pretty great. Uh, and then I also love that at the very end, because um, one of the, the things that, um, one of the ways that Nina uses her, her time travel ability is she travels back in time to stop herself from ever getting powers. And Virgil's trying to understand how that works. He's like, wait, but if she went back in time, how did we ever meet her? Or how did she ever have powers in the first place? She doesn't remember us. And Rishi just tells him like, just don't think about it. Just don't yeah, worry just about don't, it. Don't question it. <laughs> and it, it reminded me of... Um, Austin Powers 2 when they're trying to explain time travel and Austin's like getting all caught up in the minutiae of it and he goes cross-eyed and yeah. uh, Basil like, Exposition. Oh no, just, I've gone cross-eyed. Yeah, he's like, hey, Basil Exposition looks at him. It's like, you know, just don't worry about it. And that goes for you all too. And he just looks straight <laughs> at the camera. <laughs> I, I appreciated we now have a third female character, female background character, because the this last is shot is uh, Nina playing basketball with Frida and Daisy. Daisy. Because you can't see one without the other. That's absolutely true. They're inseparable now. <laughs> yeah, and now there's a third. Uh, I mean, any other um, major thoughts on this guy here? Uh, no, it's great. Everyone should definitely go rewatch this episode. No, this is. I'd say this is definitely one of the best episodes of the show. It's it's absolutely excellent, um, excellent, mm-hmm. and, uh, and super super heartfelt. So, all right. So, uh, just a couple quick notes from friends here. Um, uh, a few people write in. So uh, lo- the lovely, lovely guys over the Watchtower database wrote in to say that, because uh, we were we were wondering if that was the last appearance of Clark Kent last week. Not of Superman, but of Clark Kent when he showed up in uh, Dakota. And they said that Clark actually briefly appears at the end of Divided We Fall in JLU. Okay. So, so we get one more Clark Kent moment. 
Um, good to know. Uh, and thank you guys for always jumping in to save us because we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then also we had a uh, wonder to win on YouTube right in to say that Cameron, you were wrong. Yeah. Chrissy Carlson Romano does not sing the Kim Possible uh, theme. It is in fact sung by Christina Milian. Yep. Yep. That hurts. And I apologize. I apologize to all the listeners. I actually have a speech written. Hold on, let me get real quick. <laughs> yes. We've dedicated the rest of the segment just to Cameron's uh, apology. Yes. My, my dearest Tim talk listeners, Disney fans, uh, Cameronites, any who listen, I, I've made a grave mistake and I've hurt many of you. I feel like, uh, I'm untrustworthy. Uh, I'm unresourceful. It's, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> I agree with all those things, Cameron. Yes. I, I, I apologize for spreading incorrect news. <laughs> Well, you also, you know me as the, the established villain of the podcast. I couldn't pass up an opportunity to publicly shame you. That's fair. So where it hits the most, your impossible knowledge. <laughs> uh, but I think you, you said you had some, some notes from friends too. I week? did. I got a note uh, from a few of my friends, mm-hmm. uh, Carol and Mark, if you guys are listening, Dylan, uh, they're all notes directed to you, Chris. Oh, really? They are. <laughs> what did uh, I get wrong? Uh, what you got wrong is your, is your taste in entertainment. I mean, that's fair. Uh, cause I accidentally leaked it to them that you have still yet to watch Avatar The Last Airbender, my favorite show of all time. Yes. Which is now available on Netflix. Yes. And it's still one month in, in the top 10 most watched things on Netflix. But I have not contributed to it yet. Yes. Cause I said, haven't watched uh, it. You, uh, need to. Now, wait, is Korra also up on Netflix? It is not, but you don't need to watch Korra. But I do need to watch Korra. I need to watch all of it, right? Yeah, but Cor can wait for a little bit. Okay, so I okay. There, there was a five year gap where I had to wait between Avatar and Cor. So okay, you, you can wait a little bit. Too. I can wait five years. So okay, I, I Cameron, I will review reveal this to you. I have not watched it. I know. I'm going to because it is on Netflix, and I really can't get away with not watching it. However, I had a plan in place, which was that I was going to secretly watch all of Avatar and not tell you until we were wrapping up our final episode of Tim Talk, and then I was going to drop it on you so you never had a chance to talk about it on air. <laughs> that is impossible. I will talk about it with or without you. I, I had this, I've had this plan for like two years now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was fully committed to it, but now at this point, there's really no way for me to, to justify that because I will just get publicly shamed again and again. Well, that, I was going to say that would be the other twist of that I've seen the Donner Superman this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> just been lying to each other yeah that's the real twist of the podcast is yeah we just never wanted villain. to give the other satisfaction exactly so i i will start watching it i just finished my rewatch of star wars rebels it's excellent good um i'm getting caught up on harley quinn which i'll be done with very very soon once i'm done with that that will become my new uh show that i watch while working out is avatar Okay, when you get to season two, episode 15, okay. titled Tales of Bossing Say, okay. let me know, because I want to watch that with you. Okay, can do. And then I want to watch the finale with you. Okay, I promise you I will let you know when whatever you just said happens. Yes, Tales what... of Bossing Say, don't Thank forget. You. Thank you. It's an amazing episode. Everyone who knows, knows. The knows, knows. 
Everyone, yes, everyone who knows knows exactly what I mean. All right. I, I promise. I, I swear here and now on the podcast where I, I am absolutely accountable unless I edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> Which you Which I, I could very easily do. I will start watching uh, Avatar within the next week. Good. Yes. Before we record our next episode, I will start watching the show. I make that yes, promise. I, I've already finished my rewatch, but I will happily start another rewatch to keep on on pace with you okay wait, no hang on Cameron. i'll make you a deal i'll make okay. you a deal i will watch avatar but you have to watch californication i watch californication i watched the first three seasons uh but the first four seasons are the good ones yeah i'm not going back <laughs> there are only three seasons of avatar i have watched three seasons of californication so it's all fair yes the trade and californication is an hour-long show avatar is only a 30 minute no no, long no show. it's a, they're 30 minute episodes Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, okay. but they're like full 30, whereas Avatar yeah, is like 23, 23. 23, so it's fine. All right, fine. Although, how many episodes per season are there for Avatar? Uh, 2018. Okay, no. yeah. yeah, so there's right? only... It's either 10 or 12 episodes of Californication per season. Mm-hmm. So there's more Avatar that I have to watch than Californication that you have to watch. Yeah, but Avatar is better than Californication. <laughs> I can't disagree with that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I were to go back and rewatch Californication now, I would find it horribly dated. Yes. So let's not do that. But uh, let's get on to our bat plugs. Let's do it. Because we right. have a similar bat plug this week. We, we do. Wait, do you have... Okay, so we both started watching Love, Victor. Do you have any other plugs you want to do first before we get to Love, Victor? Because I have a couple. Uh, no, I, I just plugged King of Staten Island. I think okay. that, that's good enough. Okay, I'll include that down in the uh, the notes here too. All right, so uh, I just finished reading a, a book I quite enjoyed, uh, Artemis by Andy Weir. So Andy Weir was oh, the... Oh, I, I read this book. Yeah, the, the author of The Martian. Yeah, yeah, I listened to this one. It's fun. It's a good book, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's less um, like nitty-gritty scientific as The Martian. Like part of the reason I really love The Martian is the book especially got like really done to like the, the, the granular elements of the science. And there's still a lot of that in Artemis, but Artemis is much more of like uh, like a fun caper. Yeah, it, it's closer to The Last Starfighter. Which I've never seen. Oh, well, mean? it's close to the last Starfighter. Oh, okay, well, that helps a lot. So thank you. Yeah, but yeah, so it's the idea is the the main character is a smuggler on this lunar colony, and so she gets uh, hired to pull a job, and it just sort of unravels from there. But it's 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 fun. It's like it's a super quick read. Um, it still does a lot of the the sort of science that Andy Weir really likes to get into. Um, but I I quite enjoyed it. Did you did you like it when you listened to it? I did. So I uh, I, I got it I got it mixed up. Uh, the 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 last Starfighter book is Armada, which is done by the Ready Player One guy. Okay, that way that makes way more sense. Like I, I vaguely know what the Last Starfighter is about. It's like he plays a video game and he's recruited to like go and like actually become like a fighter pilot, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a reverse like, Ender's game. Okay. I was like, I don't know what that has to do with <laughs> with Artemis at all. <laughs> no, th- this book I, I really because th- this was kind of the um, it has like a heisty element yeah exactly like they're 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 pulling a heist on on mm-hmm. on the moon moon yes. heist uh and then one of the if you want to do the audiobook it is voiced by rosario dawson <gasps> oh I love that's rosario why that's why i really dawson. enjoyed it okay no but it's uh it's super fun i i mm-hmm. recommend it real quick easy good fun read um so i read that and then i watched the two seasons of dead to me on netflix oh how was that it's really good Okay. It's really, really good. So it's uh, Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini um, are the two are the two main <gasps> character, uh, two main characters. And then um, 
James Marsden is like the male lead in it as well. Oh, I love all those people. And I, I don't really want to get too much into it. Like I'd say like the, cause there's a lot of twists and turns and it's, it's super fun. And like, especially season two is really darkly comedic. Um, but the general idea is that uh, Christina Applegate, her husband was recently uh, killed in a hit and run and she doesn't know who did it. And then she meets Linda Cardellini's character um, who, uh, you know, also recently lost a loved one and they sort of developed this, this friendship. But of course there's crazy twists and turns and it's, you know, gets kind of soap opera, but like in the most fun, absurd kind of way. Um, but it's really good. Like everyone in it just puts an amazing performance, especially the, um, Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini and especially in season two like Christina Applegate's character gets like t- just throwing these amazing like dry one-liners and and she's an absolute wordsmith and when it comes to swearing and uh it there it's really really good so two seasons uh 10 episodes each they're short like between like 30 and 35 minutes real quick easy watch um it's a little bit slow to start, but I highly, highly recommend it. It's a great, great show. And I, I think they're doing more seasons, but I'm not sure how long it'll be before they come out. I think the new ones just came out. Um, okay. But yeah, but I highly recommend that. Um, but yeah, and then we we have a, a shared bat plug, and then we both started watching Love, Victor. So what, what mm-hmm. have you thought about it so far? Uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I, I would love your perspective because it's it, it deals with, uh, similar to Love, Simon, deals with a, a high school kid kind of, dealing with how to properly come out. Um, but then you have that, that interesting twist where he gets a, 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 I'll spoil the first episode. He gets a girlfriend. Yeah. And so now he has, he's kind of in this confusing space of, you know, what am I? Yeah. I, I'm, I like it so far. I'm not loving it. I like his specific story. I think now in kind of episode, I think I'm on episode five. I don't care about any of the side characters. <laughs> there's a there's a little bit all. of that. Yeah, it. I, I have talked about this before. Though, like, I really loved Love Simon. Like, for me, it's like the the character that I've most resonated with ever in a movie. Um, and a part of the reason I love that movie so much is it felt like a really, really thought out, meticulous film. Like the the casting is great on it it's funny the i think the music really helps set it apart too like it feels cinematic and to me so far love victor feels a little bit flat like i don't Mm -hmm. find the lead to be particularly charismatic although i find some of the supporting characters particularly the like his female love interest i I like her a lot i think she's really yeah she's great she's really charming um I so from that alone, I just I, I find it just to be a little bit half baked. Like so, um, Nick Robinson, who played Simon in the movie, um, basically re- returns in a capacity where he's doing like voiceover as he's corresponding with Victor. And I even find like he feels like he's kind of phoning it in a little bit. And then I thought that the best character from the movie, which is, is a drama teacher, texting, he's phoning it in. Well done, Cameron. Well done, thank you. Also, hang I'm on, I'm doing it because you could. Hang on, I'm here for the dad jokes. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> what was the, I saw something, it was a picture of, of Sam Jackson. It's like, you know, it's also called Happy Motherfucker Day. Oh, I'm so here for it now. Mm-hmm. So here for it. 
Uh, but no, I thought the best character in the movie was the drama teacher, Miss um, Albright. And I even find the one scene I've seen with her so far in the show, her performance just didn't have the same sort of like energy. And I just don't know if the writing's quite there. Or they're not getting quite the performances. But so just from that perspective, I found it a little bit flat so far. But I do agree with you that I'm interested in the story they're telling. Mm-hmm. I think it 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 tiptoes dangerously close to having a gay story where the primary love story is a heterosexual one and that that's that you can get into like dangerously close territory with that i think you can look at um bohemian rhapsody and especially the um uh the imitation game as two movies Mm -hmm. about gay characters where the main love interest is a woman you're like this is weird you it kind of feels like you're like hetero washing a little bit it gets dangerously close to that but it seems like instead what they're setting up is the the story that i think a lot of um gay guys myself included can talk about which is like that period of your life where you were trying to figure yourself out and you were dating women and that even though you didn't necessarily have ill intentions like there are consequences for that and you know people could get hurt if that's where they're going with it that's where it looks like the, yeah because that's why i wanted your your perspective because that that does sound like a very realistic high school experience yeah like i have i have ex-girlfriends that i've like talked to subsequently and have had to explain them like hey like i wasn't like i was hiding who i was like i was genuinely interested in you it's just like i was dealing with a bunch of other shit at the same time yeah too and luckily everyone's been understanding um (laughs) but i I think if that's where it's heading then that idea will be interesting at least Mm -hmm. um you know and he still has like a a gay love interest too which is good so i i'm who is who is already out which i think is an interesting dynamic yeah which helps a lot so i definitely want to keep going i'm i'm hoping the story both kind of heads the direction I wanted to, but also throws in some twists and turns. And I'm hoping that maybe it just gets its footing a little bit more. So it just feels a little bit less flat. Yeah. And and I think they're also trying to hit so many topics of, of kind of high school gay culture. Yeah. Cause the episode that I just started is it's his birthday. They're inviting his grandparents and his grandparents are not, uh, are not very open-minded people. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and it makes sense, like adapting it for a TV show, like you have to have side characters and side stories and you have to like expand the world and draw the story out a little bit. Um, yeah, so I, maybe I was hoping it just have a, a little bit more polish on it than it does. Yeah, um, maybe like maybe it'll wrap up well. Maybe yeah. it's only it's only like 10 episodes. I yeah, think. It's, it's relatively short. and They're all up on Hulu at this point. And I, and I guess for me, Love, Simon, the movie, not only was it like the first like gay rom-com but it stands up as like an actual legitimately like really well-made solid rom-com yeah and i guess so far with this show like it feels total like generic mid-tier like cw or even like well, that, that's even why i texted ABC you is it has this dawson's creek bullshit intro i don't it's not you made that it always seem like, like puts me in the wrong mood just immediately you made it seem like it was gonna be this like really like melodramatic like sappy like not even cw era like wb tv era like over the top intro and it's just it's like very generic and quick and flits by yeah but it it like the effects are almost exactly what they did on dawson's creek though I'm gonna be honest. I've never seen it. Except or maybe, maybe I'm thinking it, Caitlin's way. I'm thinking Caitlin's way, not not Dawson's. Creek. Okay, I've never seen either of them, so I don't know. Okay, I only know Caitlin's way because that's what they parodied for Moody's points in the Amanda Show. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, that's a fantastic name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm 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 hoping it picks up a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been alright so far. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll, we're going to finish it. We'll talk yeah. about it more next week, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I'm going to try and get through as much of it as I can this week. So, um, all right. Any other plugs or shall we uh, wrap things up here? Uh, I think that's it. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on these episodes or uh, also just like, what are you guys watching? What are you listening to? What are yeah. you reading? What give give bo- us some suggestions. Cause, what uh, book should we force Cameron to read? <laughs> I'm I'm in the middle of a book right now. All right. I already... already uh plugged it oh that's right you that's right you know what i uh, shouldn't the eighth get, house i shouldn't get house. you shit you're actually reading a book right now yeah <laughs> so. i've i'm i'm like just past halfway done ninth house yeah wait are you reading it or are you listening to it i'm listening to it okay you. Yeah, okay fine that's something uh but no as always it's the, forcing me to go on walks all right <laughs> no that's true i'll give you that it's forcing you on walks which is good uh but no you can find us at tim talk pod facebook twitter instagram and gmail and you can find me at lordifer on instagram and twitter uh, yes, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. And if you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore Adventures. Boom, boom, boom. All right. And we'll be uh, back next week with the season three finale, Blast from the Past. Looks like Static's going to be uh, teaming up with some some old-time crime fighters, uh, which will be a lot of fun. So, and then, of course, yeah, and we'll, we'll have our shortlist set. Oh, of course. Yeah. Which uh, that'll be a, this will be a good season to do a shortlist for because there have been some really, really excellent episodes. So, mm-hmm. Uh, it should be good, but thanks for listening as always, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks everyone. Bye. Bye. Superhero Static Shock. Whoop whoop. Superhero Static Shock. Whoop whoop.